0: I'd like to read to you this statistic. This is a 2022 statistic. Overall, around the world, there are 360 million Christians that live in nations with high levels of persecution or discrimination, high levels of martyrdom. And that's one in seven Christians worldwide is under persecution. One out of seven is under a persecution where their life is being threatened. And this includes one out of five believers in Africa, two in five in Asia, and one in 15 in Latin America. And these are just the countries, or the the continents, that are under high persecution where you see martyrdom. And this is not just Catholics. These are Christians of any denomination. If you profess Christ, an enemy does not distinguish whether you're Catholic, whether you're a Protestant, whether you're Methodist or you're Episcopalian or whatever it may be. They don't care. If you're Christian, you're under persecution. That's amazing statistic. Christians today are the most persecuted group in the entire world. And where do you see it on the news? Barely even see it. It's barely even touched. And yet Christians are having their homes ransacked, their churches burned, families are destroyed, they're kidnapped. They're, the, you know, the, it, 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 they're martyred. I, I forget what the statistic was in Nigeria last year of how many Christians were martyred in Nigeria. That's just one country. That's just one country out of many. So we might think, okay, the, this persecution, like what do we do right, right now? There's today, actually, there is a martyr's march in Washington, D.C., where Christians from this country, the United States, are coming and marching on the nation's capital and trying to make our legislators aware of the persecution of Christians. And some of these marchers are those who have fled persecution from their own country, coming here to the United States trying to seek some refuge And this is just what we, what we would call, there's two kinds of martyrdom, a red martyrdom and a dry martyrdom. So a red martyrdom is where you actually die for your faith, where Christians are actually dying for their faith. And it's happening today. That's what we call a red martyrdom. You, You think of China, how many Christians are in a camp right now as we speak? You know, like we—I don't know if you ever studied communism. We we have a lot of Marians that were suffering in the gulags and the camps of Siberia. So many Christians suffered in these camps, and these camps are being renewed in China, North Korea. People are in these kind of almost like concentration camps. They call them re-education camps, whatever, you know, euphemism you want to use. It's persecution for their faith. They're being persecuted for their faith. And we Christians as the body of Christ, when one one member suffers, we all suffer. We need to pray for our brothers and sisters who are not able to come to Mass today. There, There might be some watching here that are under persecution that cannot go to Mass in their country, in their town, in their village. And maybe they're sneaking on the internet, watching this. You never know. And trying to receive the word of God, trying to receive a spiritual communion. Even if they're non-Catholics, they don't care. And just, you know, just want to hear the word of God, just want Christ to come into their life because they're so in love with Jesus Christ. And yet there's Christians today that are under this persecution, what we call a red martyrdom. But then there's Christians in the West that are under a dry martyrdom. You know what a dry martyrdom is? It's a different kind of persecution. So the Christians in the West aren't part of this statistic. Notice it didn't say North America. It didn't say Europe. But there are Christians that are under a persecution it's a persecution of words, but it's beginning to escalate. That there has been attacks on churches. There have been attacks on pregnancy crisis centers. Just in this state alone, Massachusetts, I forget how many attacks there have been on pregnancy crisis center. Vandalism. And people writing graffiti and everything, smashing windows. So the attacks that are happening in other countries are beginning to escalate now in the so-called free world. No one is immune from persecution. No one is immune from attack. If we think that we as Christians, oh, we're we're just gonna live our lives, you know, it's gonna be nice and peaceful, it may not be. It may not be. I'm talking about, like, right now in, you know, United States, maybe Canada, Europe. It may not be. There's a different kind of persecution here. It's a longer persecution. It's a fight of the word. It's a fight of conversion. It's a fight against secularism, the sacred versus the secular. Which is someone going to embrace And if you embrace all of the secular, you may lose hope. Why? Because the secular will let you down. The here and now will let you down. As soon as you get sick, you have no answers. There's no answers once you get sick. Once once your body begins to decay, you get cancer, you get some kind of illness, you have no answer. The secular does not answer that. Because if all you're doing is living for this world, the here and the now, and the pleasures of the here and the now, it would deceive you. That's Satan. He he deceives us. He thinks, happiness, let's give them all the pleasures of this earth. Don't have them think about the afterlife, heaven. Don't have them think about what's to come afterwards. And it's a deception. And that's the fight in this country. Try to lead people to the sacred, to something that's beyond this world, to the supernatural, beyond this earth. And just to use the things of the earth to help us to get to heaven at our ultimate goal. Our ultimate goal is heaven. Think about it. Why are you here? To get to heaven. How do you get there? Well, there's many means to get there. And if you think about it, in the end, if you get to heaven, if you're persecuted, say in a country, say you're listening and you live in a country in which you're under heavy persecution, you could die any day, you could be shot, whatever, that you'll get to heaven. And if you're not baptized, there's what's called baptism of blood, baptism of desire, that God will give you heaven because of the baptism of desire, baptism of blood. I always love what St. Cyprian said about persecution. He was a martyr in the church. And he, he was in the time of martyrdom in the first three centuries of the church. And he, and he said, what joy, what a reward. Because one moment you're under such extreme pain, pain like you've never felt in your life, you're bleeding. Or but he's talking about the early martyrs. You're bleeding. You know, there's there's a lion that's eating you, or a leopard that's chomping on you. You're, you know, you're, and he said, one moment you're in total pain, and then the next moment you fall asleep. And you're in total glory. You're in the the greatest, say, pleasure, ecstasy, joy that you could ever be in for one moment of pain. I love how he puts that. So doesn't that bring us hope? Because that's what this homily is about. It's not about persecution. It's actually about hope. Doesn't that bring us hope? Or. See, if if you go, if you leave this world this way, you're in a hospital bed, and you're all hooked up, like you're on the cross, like this, and you got wires hooked up into your arm and into your other arm, and you got a breathing tube on you, and people are praying, hopefully people are praying around you, offering prayers, either physically present or spiritually present, that they're offering prayers for your salvation. And say, you're, you're a good Christian. You've tried to serve the Lord your whole life. And you're there at the last moment of your life. And you're in the worst pain that you've ever been in. And maybe Christ appears to you at the last moment, or the Blessed Mother appears to you. Or you see angels, or you see saints at that moment, consoling you at your very last moment of your life. Now, all of a sudden, you psh, kick off. You fall asleep. You die. And then the very next moment, wow, you're in glory. Well, first, there's a judgment. I skipped the judgment, but we won't get into judgment. There's a judgment, but say you made it through the judgment. Let's just say you made it, you know, you saw your sins. You saw, you went to confession. He tried to do good, Christ's mercy, give you, and then he opens he, he unlocks the golden key and opens heaven for you. See that? The music is even playing here. And heaven is open. The music is playing. Our cell phones are playing. It's glorious. Isn't that great? We have technology here right at the right time in my homily. And it's open. And you see this paradise. You see something that's greater than the earth. You see other saints. They're joyful. They're wearing white robes. They're filled with the light of God. They're filled with joy and mercy. And they're singing. And you see the angels. You see your guardian angel. You see other angels. You see the seraphim and the cherubim. And the city of heaven, the city of God, the, the, the city of Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem. And it's, and it's so Wonderful! It's so beyond. Everyone loves each other. There's no jealousy. There's no envy. There's no anger. There's no pride. There's no lust. There's no laziness in heaven. There's none of the seven capital sins. There's no excess of materialism and greed. There's no poverty in heaven. Everyone is rich with the riches of God. And you're there. And you're there not just for a moment. You're there not just for a few years. You're not there for a vacation. You know, when you go on a vacation to like an island or the mountains and you just love it. And you say, I want to build three tents here, like Peter did when he was on the mountain. And you just want to stay there. And then it's the last day of your vacation. And you're like, oh... I got to go back. I don't want to go back. I want to stay. I want to stay on vacation. Well, in heaven, you get to stay on vacation. You get to stay there. And it lasts five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years. Maybe I'm getting to some people's ages, 80 years, 90 years be getting to some people's ages, 100 years, could be a person out there, 110, 120, 130, 140, 150, 200, 300, 400, 500, 600, 700, 800, 900, 1,000 years, you'll be there. And it still won't stop after 1,000 years. You'll be there. So if you put it into perspective of the persecutions here on this earth and the glory that is to come and the length of our life here on earth, no matter how many years, 50, 60, 70, it might be a short life, 20, like Therese, 24 years, Faustina, 33 years, maybe a short life, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 however many years that God gives you here on earth, even if it's under persecution, even if it's under a persecuted country, a red martyrdom or a dry martyrdom, and even if it seems like, oh man, I'm under this persecution. I'm trying to love my enemies. It's very difficult. You have to love your enemies because that's what Jesus calls us to do. Love our enemies. Try to convert them. Pray for them. Don't hate them. And even if your life is a life of persecution, and even if you die a martyrdom, a red martyrdom, or a dry martyrdom, the kingdom of heaven awaits you for all eternity. All eternity. Not just 70 years, not just your lifetime on earth, but all eternity. And so you say, hmm, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Maybe this little persecution. Maybe I'm going through an illness right now. Or maybe my family has fallen away from the faith, and I'm very worried about them. And, and it's like swords piercing my heart, like the Blessed Mother, her sword, swords piercing my heart because my children, my grandchildren have fallen away. And, and I'm, I'm feeling this suffering. I'm feeling this pain. I'm grieving. I'm crying for them and it will only last a short time. See that? Your tears will have an answer. God will gather up your tears for their conversion. Maybe during your lifetime, or I tell people after your lifetime. Maybe your children will be converted after your lifetime. I always tell people this. Pray that your children become even more a holy roller than you are right now. Pray that they become even more a Jesus freak than you are right now. You when know, people use these terms jesus freak holy roller i always say thank you i wish you could use a better term than that because i want to be even more in love with jesus and just jesus freak i'm not just a freak i want to give my life for jesus for the love of jesus for the love of his gospel so put it in perspective Put it in perspective. I always do this when I, I love history, absolutely love history. I've always loved history. And when I read, like, the life of a saint, say, like, St. Agnes, and where she's being persecuted, and those who are persecuting her, you know, that they, they, they were trying to take her hand in marriage, and, and those, who perse- those who are around her accusing her, persecuting her of a Christian. And I always say this, where are they now? Where are they now? Where is St. Agnes right now? She's in heaven because she's a saint. We know she's a saint. Where are her persecutors right now? I don't know. I can't say that they're lost for all eternity. I don't know. I don't know. But I always say, where are they right now? Where was that tyrant, that tyrant or that dictator before? Where are they now? Where are they now? Where is that tyrant that was persecuting Christians? Where are they now? Where are they now? You ever ask that? Because they're still alive. And they may be in heaven or they may not be in heaven. Where are they now? See that? Their persecution only lasted for a time. And those whom they were persecuting, whom they put to death, They eventually died. They eventually died. See that? All die. Whether you die a persecuted martyr or you die as a persecutor, both died. Where are they now? Where are they now? That's why we have to pray for our persecutors, pray for one another. Because we're all going to die one day. We're all going to die one day. That's a truth. It's a reality. How do you want to die? Where do you want to go after you die? I'm sure we all want to go to heaven. I hope we all want to go to heaven. If you don't want to go to heaven, please make an appointment with me. Because we have a lot to talk about. We have a lot to talk about. Desire heaven. Part of hope is desire is to desire something that's greater, something that you can't see, but something that you believe in, something that you hope for. And yes, do we hope even for a better world in this world? Absolutely. We hope for a better world. We hope for a better world for our children, grandchildren, and the next generation. We hope to try to give them a better world. We hope for an end to persecution of Christians throughout the world. We hope for conversion of many peoples, many nations. We hope that the church will become one again, one body under Christ and not separated in so many ways. We hope that our families will become, one again, joyful, loving. We pray for an end to division within our families, in our communities, in our states, and even our countries, and even in the political realm. We hope that Democrats and Republicans in this country will love one another one day and get along. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great? You're from Canada, so you have a different... Some of you are from Canada. But even in your Canadian... Whatever it may be. We hope that one day But it has to be done right in the truth of the gospel. Not a false ecumenism, not a false unity, but a true unity in spirit and in truth. And we pray for that. And who do we look to for that hope? we look to Mary, the mother of divine hope, she who has gone before us, she who bring hope into the world by her consent to the archangel Gabriel. And in giving her consent, she brought hope into the world because she brought the Son of God into the world, Jesus Christ, who became flesh. And by her consent, all the way up to the crucifixion, She said yes, and by her yes, she gave hope to the world. And she also had at the crucifixion the hope of the resurrection, that she knew that the death of her son would not be the last word, that God would have the last word with his resurrection and his ascension. So sometimes when you see death, persecution of the church know that there's also going to be a resurrection of the church something that you have never seen and the world has never seen before god has planned it god has prophesied it and god will do it so even in the midst suffering persecution Have hope for your life. Have hope for the church. Have hope for the world.
1: Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org.